Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us, gang. I and Mike back in the house in his usual spot And let me tell you, it's more vintage stuff from the big man. Quarterbacks in particular are coming front and centre into our view this week for reasons that should be pretty obvious, but nevertheless, really, really interesting narratives flying around about Russell Wilson. Is he done in Seattle? What the hell is going wrong with their offence, with the Rams offence? That's going off the rails as well. Conversely, everybody's loving the Patriots and Mac Jones, Aaron Rodgers. I am Mike Fields is in MVP form. Tom Brady has something to say about that. It's Pat's Bills this weekend, so we'll talk about that as well. It is all to play for right now, and we are going to get into as much as we can over the next 60 minutes, including some of your questions as well. So let's get straight down to business and check in with the fantastic Iron Mike. Iron Mike back in the house, back from the south coast watered yeah. and fed and ready to roll yeah i mean what a great time the the weather was fantastic and and i just love um being on the beach i think i said this mm. uh, last week but i just love being on the beach in the winter time when the sun's out um and i know it's not winter yet but good as as, it, as we had snow here definitely yesterday. Winter. yeah i think i think we could the journey i had back from newcastle on saturday after the sky show i think i can 100 say we've got winter going <laughs> i'm with you though mike i think i can deal with the cold as long as the sky is clear and blue and crisp yeah uh, which used uh, to be the thing when i lived in montreal you know we had right. a long winter but large parts of it were very pleasant because the sun was out 
um, for a short time, admittedly. <laughs> but we'll but, take what um, we can get, quite frankly. Well, it's good to have you back uh, and uh, back on the show. We have got a lot to talk about. We figured, when I say we, Ollie, the producer, the brains behind this idea, as he typically is, Mike, quite frankly. I didn't realize uh, this was a brains kind of thing. No, welfare yeah. point. It's not a high bar, admittedly. Uh, but Ollie came up with a good idea that we're looking back at, at week 12. Let's frame it around quarterbacks. I think it's a really good idea because <laughs> interesting, a lot of interesting. <laughs> An NFL program framed around quarterbacks. <laughs> well, no one's ever thought of that before. Don't be so cynical, <laughs> I, Mike, because I think it's a good idea because there are a lot I, of really interesting narratives around uh, yeah, a number when, of quarterbacks. Right? When I was writing about Sam Huff last week and and um, on my column, and I mentioned him here, you know, I, one thing I, that occurred to me was that in those days, the matchup was Sam Huff against the quarterback. Or, yes, right. You know, or Sam Huff against Jim Brown, the running back, you know, um, or Dick Butkus against the now. Now it's the quarterback against the quarterback, which is kind of weird because it's not like they're facing off against each other. Well, exactly. Yeah. But, but there we go. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, a good yeah. it's a good topic. Uh, I think so. And you know why I know? You know how I know this, Mike? Because I how do you know that this? On, on because two had a good day, the Dolphins won, <laughs> and you are happy. Yeah, I'm happy with that. That's why we're doing that this week in particular. My uh, two a bandwagon rolls on. Well, we put it out on our social channels at the NC Show, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Still no TikTok, Iron Mike. Still no TikTok, disappointingly. Ollie's got to pull his socks up there. Yeah, we're going to get Mike on TikTok, aren't we? That was the plan. I, I mean, you can't. I can't stand it on YouTube or whatever, you know, like when you're watching the NFL highlights mm. and stuff like, like that. The, the ad comes up for TikTok and it's like some some girl going like that. And I'm just thinking, why would you want to do this? <laughs> it means, no, what does it mean? This is you expressing yourself, you know? We're going to get Patrick Mahomes' brother on to answer that particular question, Mike. We'll spend a, we'll dedicate a show just to that question, I think. No, but I put it out on, uh, we put it out on our social channels and lots of great questions from the gang. So we're going to weave those in as we go right. along. I think that's kind of the that's plan. Right. So thank you for all of those of you to get there. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking because one of the things and I've been talking about it for a few weeks is, is the way that running games and, and time of possession have sort of defined a lot of the season. It's, it's, but um, we had, we nearly had an absolutely even time of possession game this week. And mm. no one will ever guess which one it was because it's so it seems so unlikely. Okay, it was, it's the Jags game. No, it was Tampa and Indy. Oh, really? It, what 38, was it? 31, you know, not yeah. as close as the score indicates, really. But Tampa had 29, 59 and India had 30, 01. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't notice and, that. And that is, that is amazing. You know, the other interesting thing, since we're talking about quarterbacks, there were 15 games last week, right? Right. In five of them, neither team scored more than 17 points. In six <laughs> more, one team scored less than six, than uh, 17 points. So really, there were only four games you could describe as, as, as like quarterback-friendly shootout kind of games. A very um, fair point. Well, that leads yeah. us nicely into, into Monday Night Football. That's where I, I want to start. And with just following that through for a minute, everybody is running up the demise of, of the Seahawks and in particular, seemingly Pete Carroll, he seems to be coming under increased pressure, but it's the glass half full perspective for Seattle that, all right, the offense stinks at the moment, but actually their defense has been playing pretty well the last three or four weeks. Not as well as a Pete Carroll defense needs to play. I, th I think, um, you know, and, and when you look at, when you watch that game, it's so frustrating because all of my complaints about refereeing and, and pass interference come from Pete Carroll coaching so well, you know, technique that almost everybody uses now. Um, but 
you you had uh, Sidney Jones being called for what I considered yeah. was a pretty flagrant pass interference, and then on the same series doing the exact same thing and not getting called for it. You know, it, it's, <laughs> right. and but his his um, his defense depends on that, and and um, and then Ugo uh, Manier was called for a hold, which literally every defensive back does on almost every pass route. You know, when the guy comes up to you at, at five or wherever you've lined up, because they usually line up at six or seven, mm. they grab him mm-hmm. because it's still legal theoretically to make contact there. So he did that and he got called for the hold. Um, and while there's no consistency, it may, it makes it tough. Bobby Wagner had a great game. I thought, um, you know, he, he, he really is such a special kind of yeah. little linebacker. Well, and, just and just to humor me for a minute, Mike, 13 points they gave up against the Saints. Right. Seven against the Jags or against the Jags. Yeah, they would stunk the joint out offensively against the Packers, but only gave up, gave up 17 against them. The Cards, I know, weren't their, their typical brand offensively, but 23. And then, and then and that was 17 last McCoy, night. Right. Yeah, right. So, so like I say, not their, not their, not their typical brand of, of high, uh, high jinkery, but nevertheless, 23 and then 17 last night. I mean, that is reasonably sturdy defense. It is. Yeah. I, I, although, you know, it's t- t- Taylor Heineken and, um, mm. you know, it's a rookie quarterback, but I think the difference I mean, is that, that he's not getting the, the defense to produce points mm. um, because he doesn't have Earl Thomas back there, um, you know, at, at free safety um, chancellor, yeah, it's it was one of those things where the Legion of Boom was like was a perfect combination, uh, a fit of of scheme and players, kind of like Tampa uh, went the year they went to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl with Brad Johnson and all right. that defense. That was Tony Dungy's Tampa too, with the perfect set of players. Each guy, you know, fit really well, and they added Simeon Rice as a pass rusher, which mm-hmm. made a huge difference. He's not that talented. Yes, they play well. He still coaches you know, defense really well. Mm. They have some really good players. Um, I think they still don't quite know what to do with Jamal Adams, um, mm. who, who to me would be better in a Tyron Matthew kind of role, you know, but close to the line of scrimmage all the time. Who's um, not worth a, a top five pick kind of like Jamal Adams. The Jets yeah. Have, I mean, but he's just not a great pass huge, defender. No, no, I'm just making the point now. I think uh, the, the, that pick is now a top five pick. So yeah. The Jets have two picks in the top five. Yeah. And, you know, and um, I think Pete thought that he would be his Cam Chancellor kind of player. But, but mm. you know, Chancellor could overcome a lot of um, faults if he had them because he was so big and long, uh, which made it easier for him to cover quicker receivers. And that was pretty much Pete Carroll's philosophy. All of his defensive backs were, ta- were tall and long mm. and not necessarily Brandon Browner was slow. By you know by cornerback standards, but because he was so long and had long arms and knew how to use them, um, he could defend. And I and I think that's that's for Seattle part of the problem. But as you said, and I think the real problem is that offense is just horrible. Injuries Why? Are, Why is it so bad? Well, injuries are a factor, you know. But they don't. What did they run the ball ten, ten times? Um, besides Russell Wilson, yeah. Know, and they, you think you Collins can understand that seven? I think and. Right. You understand. I'm just looking that up. You understand that. Yeah. So yeah, Collins had seven, Dallas had three. And, and yeah. of course that's a position they've, they've been banged up in, which I guess is some bearing on, on, on the, uh, the ratio to run and pass, but so injury, do you think Wilson has, that's a factor. He, when he, he sits, he's been back, doesn't it? Right. Like a couple of guys in the league, he doesn't quite look a hundred percent. Um, mm. but 
you know, D- DK Metcalf, what, what Washington did was, was they went out to shut down DK Metcalf. He said, mm-hmm. if anyone's going to beat us, it's going to be him. Lockett had a good game, but yeah. you know, we'd rather shut down Metcalf than Lockett. Um, they controlled the ball from almost 42 minutes in that game mm. um, because they could run the ball. They had 150 yards rushing, I think, to 34. So, you know, that that to me was that was the difference in the game. And in those circumstances, um, what you're asking Heineke to do is make some plays, but not kill you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the kind of typical backup quarterback formula. And I think Heineke has now established himself as a sort of valid fringe starter in the, mm. in the NFL. He's the kind of starter that will, you know, you can probably say, okay, he'll get us through a season, but you'll always be looking to upgrade, upgrade from, right. from him, you know, and, and I think, I think I, we talked two weeks ago about Fitz, you know, right. I mean, why would you bring back Fitz? Because what is he going to give you that, that Heineke, Heineke doesn't. doesn't. Yeah, right. sure. Apart from some giggles, really. Uh, yeah, and like leadership, maybe, you, you <laughs> sure. know, mobility, maybe, but, you know. I, I'm with you on that. You know, you know, I think we spoke about this certainly in the last couple of weeks. Go with Heineke for the next couple of years and build a builder around. And on that point, a good question. Uh, first one of the day from Joshua Edwards. Hey, Joshua. And he uh, uh, prefaces this by saying, throw this out if Heineke is terrible tonight. <laughs> but he wasn't. So we're going to ask the question. Uh, he was solid. Is there still a formula, Mike, he asked, for getting to the Super Bowl nowadays with a limited starting quarterback? Or are we in the age of the do-it-all superstar? No, I, and I don't think we ever have been, to be honest. Um, you know, Bad Johnson won a Super Bowl. Um, Trent Dilfer won Dilfer. a Super Bowl. Um, Rex Grossman went to a Super Bowl, but they're the, ex- yeah. they're the exceptions to the rule. Most of the time, well, they, the they played with really good defenses. Yeah. Um, you know, that Bears defense that Rex Grossman played was really good. It wasn't a, a super lights out defense like, mm. like Baltimore's was or, or um, Tampa's was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think you have to be a, a hall of fame quarterback to take a team to a super bowl and to win mm. a super bowl, you know, and, and unfortunately we project every quarterback who's playing now into the hall of fame. I'm sure 80% of the, the great minds in the, in the NFL heard on Twitter, you know, would insist that Dak Prescott's a first ballot hall of famer, <laughs> you know, um, anyone who's successful for a year or two in the league now become, becomes a hall of famer. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, I'm just I'm looking down, you know, down the list to see who among the contenders. I mean, if Tennessee, before all the injuries hit, were one of the leading contenders with Ryan Tannehill, who nobody, you know, claims is a great quarterback, an all, you know, all time quarterback. Um, I suppose Cincinnati's back in the mix. San Francisco's back in the mix. Um, The Rams, Stafford, well, you know. Has Stafford been a great quarterback over the years? Baltimore with Lamar. Yeah, great. Um, well, Lamar's great, I'd think. Uh, Lamar's or- great in his way, but I'm not sure he's an all-around, he's he's yet an all-around, you know, great, great quarterback. That's mm. um, and I think we see that because their passing game remains limited. Um and it's you've got Lamar, who's the best probably of the bunch. You've got Fields, you've got Hurts. You've got Kyler Murray, who mm-hmm. you know who's up there with with Lamar, um, and probably a better a better passer um, instinctively. Mm. But they're basically they're basically shotgun, single wing, college kind of quarterback, right? Um, and if you can, you know, that's what happened to Philadelphia 
um, in that great game <laughs> against the Giants. <laughs> right. um, marvelous. But, but the Giants simply said, okay, Jalen Hurts, you, you beat us. We're, mm. we're just going to keep you in the pocket. You beat mm-hmm. us with passes. And when Hurts finally threw a good pass, Rager dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> on on the goal line, um, you know. Although yeah. in fairness, Hertz had thrown a couple that should have been intercepted in the few minutes, and he threw a beauty that hit Rager in the head. Yeah. But if Rager had made that catch, it would have been a spectacular catch. And we yeah. Expecting that. So, but you know, the one he dropped just a yard short of the of the goal line was was inexcusable. But you know, that's 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 the formula. Keep these guys. It's the formula with Josh Allen, to be honest. And yeah, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what what. The Patriots Bills. Oh, I want to get I want to get into that. But, you know, but hold that thought because I want to pick your brains on the Patriots Bills. But you you make some brilliant points and I want to just dive into them a little bit more. So on the one hand, if you've got this group of Tannehill, Cousins, these middle of the pack, Dalton, when he was in his prime, (laughs) you know, these guys that are just uh, versus all the quarterbacks you named, and I know there are different stages of their trajectory and, you know, Fields is brand new and Lamar's done some incredible stuff, but he's got flaws. Is it because the latter group is so spectacular to watch and has that X factor highlight reel play that we upweight them versus the, the former group? And actually when it comes to the crunch, both have their pros and cons and it doesn't necessarily stand to reason that you're going to get further in, in terms of the deep waters of the playoffs and ultimately the Super Bowl with one more than the other. Yeah. I, and, you know, the game is evolving, um, not just the rules, but also the, the tactics. So we're seeing more college style offense, which is why these guys are playing. It's harder in the NFL because defenses are better in mm. the NFL and they're, they're more loaded with quick, quick guys and they're more low, you know, they have better defensive coordinator who, um, have more time to game plan. But um, the, the, the thing that is kind of lacking from your Tannehill's cousins, Jimmy G's, you know, what separate is consistency. Mm. Um, and sometimes what separates them is, is crunch time play. And, and that obviously is more or less subjective, but you know, when, when Tom Brady and the Bucks got the ball back, with three minutes to play and they came up to the two minute warning and Brady just stood there for 12 seconds and let it go. You knew they weren't, <laughs> you knew he wasn't feeling any pressure to get another playoff. And, you know, he was going to come down and not leave them enough time to, right. win, to win the game because all he needed was a field goal at that point. But he's maybe the greatest um, of all time to in that particular spot. Right. I mean, in a two minute drill, there, there are very few that you'd want to have other than Brady. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that's, a- but you know, and, and I, I think, you know, the, the the difference there in that game, you could say, I mean, it, it goes deeper than that because the key to that game was Tampa's defense. Again, the defensive line, just it held um, Taylor in check, basically. Right. They, you know, they, they were going to make Carson Wentz beat them. Mm. Um, and, and Carson Wentz is one of those guys who, you know, it's just like when you get to that big moment, do you expect Carson Wentz to deliver or do you expect Carson yeah. Wentz, you know, to, to fall, to fall short? And that's, yeah. that's Cousins that's is there. Of, Baker's there. That there's a whole bunch of them right there. Are yeah. in that group. Let I mean, me I ask think, it a different way, Mike, if, go if ahead. You, you GM Mike, right? So you, you talked about the, the changes. <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother show. That's a sitcom waiting to happen. Uh, you talked about the changes to, to, the offense offenses in the NFL, which increasingly so. And it's something you and I have chatted about a lot over the last couple of years. Right. So uh, if you were running a team now in the NFL, 
Would you be tempted to lean towards a quarterback that is going to be more consistent, say, with completion accuracy, more poise in the pocket, maybe a better passer of the ball, or an X-factor quarterback that isn't necessarily as competent in terms of those attributes, but as you said, delivers can that clutch crunch time yeah, play. If, if I if I were if I were a GM and looking for a quarterback, I think the first thing I would look at is accuracy, mm. um, or possibly quick quick quickness of release. Mm. Um, it, to me, the most important things for a quarterback are, are to be able to read, release, and put the ball on target. Um, you know, I, and when you've got someone who does all three and is mobile, then that's, that's, you know, that's just a bonus, but there aren't many of those guys around, you know, the, the thing with Peyton Manning or, or Tom Brady was they stood, they came up to the line of scrimmage and looked around and basically knew where they were going to go. They, they knew what the defense was offering them and, and where they were going to take it. So the ball gets out quickly, um, Right now, the MVP in the league, in my mind, at least if you're only talking quarterbacks, is Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm not sure exactly what he has to prove to show that you know he he carries Green Bay. And and I know it's irritating to watch him just look so frustrated all the time and <laughs> and pissed off, you know. But he 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 makes extra time for himself when he has to. Who was the guy playing left tackle for them this week? I think it's you know? only the producer. Um, um, yeah, and and you know, but what he does is he he sees. He's not quite like, oh, yeah, there it is, and boom, it's gone. But he does that a lot. But he also has the ability to make a little bit extra time for him and, you know, and direct traffic and, and put the ball, the Mahomes style of, of putting the ball in, in, um, in odd places with odd deliveries. Um, and so I, it's right now, to me, he's, he's the leader in the MVP race because I, I don't see Green Bay being – at the top without him, obviously. Without yeah, we him. saw we saw what happened with Justin Love. Right, sure. Uh, Jordan Love. Jordan Love, yeah. We could see what happens with Justin Love. <laughs> the, love the love machine. That's who was playing left tackle. The, so <laughs> if um if we follow that through for a minute, do you think that Rogers MVP candidacy is gonna be affected by all the shenanigans? Probably. Probably on? because the, the level of NFL media is such that you know the 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 meme outrage outrates the film the game tape um, <laughs> you know that that's kind of like the the way it goes um I, I was i don't know why this just popped into my mind but i was listening to a preview of the of the chicago detroit thanksgiving game mike lombardi who i love yeah um, you know ma- partly for his malaprisms malapri- yeah. but also the <laughs> adnan verk who talked faster than any human being in the world and to do that he, what he has to do is to drop the third cell from every other word <laughs> and and he, he actually said disgruntled said you know some of those players are disgruntled because he <laughs> some of those players are disgruntled because he couldn't get another syllable into the thing but but he but mike Islam was describing the chicago detroit game as this as the fisher spasky chess tournament right, right. he said they should play this game in Reykjavik because it's Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy <laughs> against against what's his name um, at um, Dan, Dan, Dan Campbell at Detroit he said you know it's like 
this is like the chess, the chess match of the Masters, <laughs> and that's exactly the way it played out. I mean, oh, I've never boy. seen, I've never, you know, it, but well, we have seen it because they've been playing every week. <laughs> I would actually love to watch in all seriousness Dan Campbell playing Matt Nagy at chess. That's a show in the offseason. <laughs> I would watch. What the odds? Even money. My guys Dan aren't tough enough. <laughs> I need better prawns. Knight <laughs> smash it on the table and throw it over his shoulder. The, the table would definitely flip, like when a toddler flips at, at the Monopoly because they're losing. That would definitely happen. All right, we've got a ton to do. We're already going on far too many tangents, I'm Mike. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let's, um, no, we enjoy it. I'll just to try and bring it into what well, let's actually, let's see, because we talk Rogers, let's, let's get into that game a bit more and, and Stafford, right? So, uh, uh, all the hype about LA. You made the point quite recently on the show that if you drill down beneath the surface level and look at that early schedule and and who the Rams are going up against, it wasn't exactly the the toughest of opponents. So we might have been... No, that's absolutely true. ...a little bit uh, overhyped, or they might have been a little bit overhyped. But it has been going particularly off-kilter in recent weeks. Can you pinpoint what is happening with this offense, well, why it's why it's struggling. I, I so mean, much. in the game in the game Sunday, you could you could basically see Green Bay and and I I've never I had never rated Joe Barry before as a defensive coordinator, but but he has been very very good with that team and and apparently what they needed, um, mm. they, they're they're really well well drilled. You know, they 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 know what they want to do. Mike Pettin was kind of like was kind of like a gambler. Um, you know, and and strange blitzes and stuff, and they've been mm. doing it without Zedaria Smith, sure. um, which is even more impressive. But they they basically beat up the Rams up front. You know, Andrew mm. Whitworth was having a hell of a bad time. Right, that, right. You know, that doesn't happen all that often. They couldn't get any traction on the ground game. And to be honest, since Todd Gurley got hurt, they haven't been the same. You know, when Gurley hurt his knee, um, and you know, and that was true in the Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. And I think it's been true ever since Sonny Michelle has kind of disappointed me, but I'm not sure whether it's that he's not what he, what he's not playing well, or if he's not what McVeigh wants from a running back. If he doesn't like the Patriots don't trust him to be a receiver and he wants a receiver first and a runner second, but they don't have, you know, the, the stuff Brandon Staley was talking about with the Chargers, which the Chargers don't have either is that toughness up front. They don't, yeah. they, they get beat up too much and they're, and they're notorious front runners. You know, Mc, McVeigh mm. is, I don't think he's still ever lost a game where he was leading at halftime. Um, mm. unless that that's happened, you know, this season and I've missed it, but when they're trailing, they, they're not a great come from behind team. And, and it's interesting because. Why do you think thought, that is when you talk at it's one of the great coaches well, generation, you, they're laden with talent. Why are they, why are they? Yeah, because I think because it comes down to men, you know, that mental toughness, that, that being physical carries over. Um, and also, you know, Goff is another one of those quarterbacks with a great arm, but, but, you know, not necessarily the the um, nous say in in the in the tough moments, and and you know he wanted to go to Stafford, but now he's got the same troubles with Stafford as he was having with Goff. In that Stafford's more of a straightforward draft back passer, and they're not protecting him. Goff, right? Goff, they would roll out, they would do play action to try to keep the people out of his face. Now with Stafford, it's even more difficult. And I think part of the... the because scheming, he's less mobile than Goff. Yeah, it's part of the scheming hit, hid that. He's also just more naturally a, pa- a pocket, pocket passer. Pocket passer, right. You know, Stafford, to me, 
he's more mobile, say, than Matt Ryan, but there's a great comparison between Stafford and Matt Ryan and that mm. they're both really great passers um, who can do a lot for teams, but have always, you know, not been able to take that team forward for whatever reason, you know, um, and, and at Detroit, they tried almost everything. You know, you remember when Jim Bob Cooter was there and they, do. they were the doing great the, Bob the sort Cooter, of dink yes. and dunk kind of offense. It started well know? with Jim Bob, didn't it? And then it kind of, then just, then just, for, just until everybody figured out what they were doing. You know? Right. And, right. And that, and that's the problem. So, you know, so can I, they I turn it around the Rams? I don't because know if they been... can. That, that's, that's to me the, you know, the, the, the thing to me about that game was, was the play where Rogers ran a naked bootleg and and it was funny because the announcers looked at it saying i don't know if that was a call design play or not you know (laughs) or if he just decided the space was there so he took off and looking at it i can see why they said it Mm. but um jalen ramsey was there one-on-one with rogers yes and rogers did a little tiny pump you know but he's watching him and they're watching each other and rogers does a little tiny pump fake and jalen ramsey hesitates for just a second and rogers waltzes into the corner he's 38 years old yeah jalen ramsey is supposedly the best cornerback in the league i mean that was incredible there was a phase of watching ramsey his teammates i'd be running that play over and over again and laughing at him you live that old man beat you to the corner <laughs> they probably know? are it was the, yeah. it, it really watching Ramsey I mean it was fascinating he had some some high, very high points as well but that was definitely that was definitely a low a brilliance yeah. but the, to your and point I mean, earlier that- you have to stop if you're going to beat Green Bay and and let's just assume that you're not going to get to Aaron you know Roger because mm-hmm. Von Miller didn't do anything you know mm-hmm. much and Donald Donald did his usual game played well but that's you know so what do you got to do who do you have to stop well Devontae you got to stop Devontae Adams right right where was Jalen Ramsey? Yeah. You know, sometimes I think he was covering Scantling um, and they were, maybe they were doubling Devante, but you couldn't tell from the result. That, often that's the case. That's the case with Ramsey that they don't often match him up with that elite number one receiver. I mean, and sometimes when we talk about the quarterback battles and how the media frames the narrative going into a game, a lot of the time it's Ramsey versus say DK Metcalf yeah. or Ramsey. And, and often you'd actually see him covering that number one receiver that often yeah, in the and game. It looked to me like they were more just keeping him on one side of the field. Right. Um, much, much of the time, which, which to me is, I've never understood that, you know, mm. it's like if a quarter, if a cornerback can't play both sides of the field, he's too easy to scheme away from if you're keeping him on one side of the field. And I understand if you're going to, you know, if you're going to play him single on their second best receiver and double the best receiver, that's fine. I mean, that's yes. a good, lots of teams will do that. We'll you know, do that. Belichick's done it for years. He um, plays in the it, slot as well a fair bit, but they often they'll look at that. And, and the logic, Mike, I guess is, yeah, you, you, you double the, the, number one receiver, but you're also taking out theoretically that side of the field. If Ramsey's there, they're not throwing to him or anywhere near him at all. So that yeah. makes things a lot but more if you, straightforward. But if you run Devontae Adams and Cobb on the same side of the field and, and on the other Ray, side. Ramsey's on the other side, what, what's yeah. your, what's the downside? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So just final point on the Rams then, because the seven turnovers they've had in the, in the last three games, all, all defeats, of course. So that is something that they, can theoretically control and should improve the trajectory defensively. You you pointed out where there were shortcomings against the Packers, but we obsess about the offense in particular, this offense, the Stafford cup connection and McVay, but defensively, what do you think is the, the upside there going into, because looking at their run as well, it's not straightforward either. So if they can get their offense. No, they've got a fairly tough run in Mm. and, um, can their defense hold up again? As they've, lost at a, they've lost a number of good players and, and they, they keep replacing them with young players who are pretty good. 
but I think a couple of those guys probably need another year of seasoning before they're up to the level of the guys they're replacing. In the secondary um, in, in particular, In the right? secondary in particular, linebackers also mm. in particular. They're not tough in the linebacker spot. They're, they're missing brokers, do you think? Um, to an extent, yeah, uh, because he's, he occupies, basically. Um, and that leaves Donald more free, you know, mm. to um, – He's always, Donald's almost always going to be double team. But, uh, you know, that was the, in that 13 3 loss in the Super Bowl, the kid, the unnoticed key to that one was simply that Joe Tooney single, single blocked Donald the entire game, basically. Right. Um, without, without hardly ever getting double team help. And that, and that's, that's huge. And the other thing, of course, mm. is, is that you don't want to be playing catch up in any game. Um, so the, and when the Rams are playing catch up, they really become one dimensional, mm. uh, because, and also because I think, and I like Henderson basically, but I think they really depended on, on Gurley was to them, um, like Marshall Falk was to the, to the Colts. Uh, he, part of his skill was that he was such a good route runner out of the backfield. It was like having another wide receiver. So mm. it wasn't just that you threw him swing passes and screens and stuff you were throwing him cut plays where he had to cut you know precisely and did and Mm. be open um so i think they they sort of missed that too Uh, okay let's go to twitter again um because there are quite a few questions surrounding Baker Mayfield, who I want to <laughs> get into next. So uh, they have scored the Browns, of course, 27 points over the last three games. Mayfield is clearly banged up. This has been all the rage in the last, got going into last weekend, but certainly the first couple of days of this week. What the hell are the Browns doing playing him? Why are they keeping him in when he's clearly not right? So I I, I can understand this with you know, a different team. And we, I think we were talking about this with regards to Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon, right? That if I know it's not exactly the same situation, obviously, but there has been a lot of criticism of Peyton for not giving Hill more opportunities at quarterback because yeah. when Simeon's been indifferent or, or worse, right? The flip side of that, I guess, was up until recently and maybe even still, Peyton, given the way the playoff picture is playing out and the congestion, will feel that the Saints, certainly two, three, four weeks ago, once when Winston went down, will feel that he's got a better chance of making the playoffs with Simeon. He's the safer bet, right? He's a safer play in theory. So you can kind of understand the logic. He's hanging on to this, we are still in contention for the playoffs perspective. Is that what the Browns have been doing? Do they feel that a banged up Mayfield has still given them a better shot of a playoff spot than in, Case Keenum. Yeah, to me, the parallel in the two cases is that when something's not working, it behooves you to try something else if you have a reasonable alternative. Right. It doesn't necessarily have to look like the best alternative, or but if it's reasonably um, even just as good, you, sh- you ought to try it, which, you know, I think Trev- Taysom Hill ought to be getting more snaps. Um, the, but maybe, you know, maybe he considers it too risky. Hills takes a lot of, um, sacks when he, when, when he's been in, but it's obviously not working. And the same thing's true in Cleveland. Uh, you know, as you said, nine points a game for three games. Um, there's not much that Mayfield is doing that Case Keenum couldn't do 
mm. almost as well, or, you know, possibly as well, and maybe even a little bit better. Um, or they could play Jarvis Landry at quarter at quarterback for the whole game. Um, that one worked great. I mean, that was one of the funnier plays of the week. Yeah. Because one thing is when you go wildcat, and May, Mayfield's out as a receiver. Now, no coach in the world is going to throw a guy with rib and arm. And, and ankle injuries. So you can just forget him. Yeah. Um, but but Jarvis <laughs> right. Landry's taking the ball as a quarterback. And they rushed him as a quarterback. And, you know, he actually did a nice job of extending the play. But he's extending the play with no pocket awareness and, and loses the ball in the strip sack. Um, you know, if you're going to throw the ball with Landry, you want to do it in a situation where it's unexpected, where, where it's the last thing the deep defense would think of, you know, and Landry Landry was the best player on the, on the uh, field for Cleveland offensively, Mm. uh, obviously, but you know, this was the same story um, for, um, for ball, for um, uh, Baltimore as, um, as a couple of the other games we've already talked about, they decided who's going to beat us, Nick Chubb. We're going to stop Nick Chubb. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to make Baker Mayfield beat us throwing to, to the people's choice. And, and, and um, you know, doesn't he wish he had T Higgins back? Um, <laughs> and, and, um, and that's the way it worked. You know, Landry mm-hmm. had a few big plays. He always will. You know, he's a really great receiver. Um, you know, got all the respect in the world for him, but it's not enough. To, especially with Mayfield, and there was a play, mm. and I've I've never really subscribed to that theory that Mayfield's too short. But, yes, but <laughs> you know because good short quarterbacks can make make um, passing lanes for themselves, and we've seen it with with any number of guys. But there was a screen pass he threw where he literally could not throw the ball over the rushing guys. You mm. know, and the idea is you're letting them rush. So the quarterback, all he has to do is drop back and get it over the top. Oh, but he take couldn't. it over, yeah. yeah. And it. that was literally just a physical impossibility uh, yes. for him. And now that may be because he's injured and, and doesn't yeah. have the mobility or the – but whatever. But that killed them. That was one play mm. that, that really killed them uh, in, in two, that game. Two things on that. So Landry, I agree. I think he's, he's terrific. But is there this situation that I, I keep thinking of the – I don't know, they're slightly different players, but the Juju – uh, status after Antonio Brown went in uh, in Pittsburgh. That there's that his the emphasis on him and the responsibility became too much. And is that what's happening with Landry? He's got to be the focal well, point of this offense. Yeah, he doesn't drive um, being that. That that's a really good point because you know you. It's not that he's not a number one receiver, but he's much better when you have another threat to avoid him being double teamed all the time. Right. Because he's not going to beat you deep very often. Um, And therefore he's going to, he works hard for what he gets uh, basically. And um, it's kind of like Steve Smith. Right. uh, Going across the middle uh, for the, for the Ravens for the Panthers for all those years. Mm. And um, it's like, if you have another guy to take the pressure off, then he becomes a much more dangerous Threat. Um, threat, which is yeah. what in, in Miami, you actually had a balanced group of receivers for a year or two Yeah, um, that, you know, so you couldn't, you couldn't really take away one or the other. And, and um, 
um, what's his name, hasn't had a re- as good a season since Landry left either. Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker, yeah. Um, I kept wanting to say Devontae Adams. And, I was almost uh, going to say Xavier Howard. He wouldn't have had a great, <laughs> have had a great season. What we're yeah. like, probably, probably would be better than some. But, Got a know, question. I know, you, I know you want to talk to him, but you mentioned I Xavier want to Howard. Talk to I mean, Miami's yeah. done this with defense. Yeah, oh, more, sure. More, more than offense, you know. Um, and they've, they've played really well defensively. And, and they just went in to Carolina and made Cam's life miserable. And Cam mm. looked like a guy who hadn't been playing in a while, which is mm. probably true. PJ Walker um, came in and threw a horrible interception, um, kind of like Drew Locke. I mean, it was like a competition. <laughs> Not Drew Locke. Who's going to come in and kill your team within <laughs> the first four snaps? You well, know? you know how much we love Drew Locke on this show, Mike, with the Drew Locke of the week on uh, on Edge Rush, which is uh, yeah. so named because Drew Locke blew one of our locks of the week uh, <laughs> last season. So we then anointed it the Drew Locke of the week. But, you know... I- on the Again, Dolphins and the defense, just yeah, because the, the defense carries them and it makes mm. the quarter the quarterback better, you know, because yeah. he's not under so much pressure to have to make plays. You can control the game. You can control the pace of the game. And what we're seeing from Tua, um, I don't know if it's all scheme or, or receivers or what, but he's basically turning into a short passer. You know, and and I think Flores wants to wants to run a sort of ball control passing yeah. offense. Yeah a la New England, just like his defense, a la New England. Right. Um, but it's the difference with two has got that often coaches have to do that because their quarterback doesn't have the arm for anything else. But is that what's going to make this potentially very interesting if they can make that effective ball control, a lot of short stuff, but the, the threat that Tua can air yeah, it I out. Think, I think you're right. And I think we're going to see Waddle with a couple of big plays before the season's over. Right. Know? And maybe surprise situations where it's like third and two or third and three. And yes. And yeah. Just yeah. Take, and the, then, take the gamble to, to hit him deep. Um, you know, it's there if, if they want it. And Tua has got a decent deep arm. That's mm. um, and, but you know what they did, um, I think this season was partly it was partly the quarterback thing that they they had to they had to figure it out and get get everybody on, on board and and it's you know it's not a great run game line's not great Gaskin's not a great back but but they can make that work line's but, terrible yeah yeah but defensively they let they let Van Noy go mm. because they thought they had replacements and it turned out that the replacements couldn't do quite what Van Noy did. So they had to, I think Flores kind of readjusted the defense a bit so that he wasn't asking, um, um, not Hendrickson, but the um, Van, Van something, defensive end, Van Ginkle. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, he wasn't asking him to do what, Van Noy did, you know, move inside, outside, different kind of roles. He, they finally realized you're a pass rusher. You're going to be a pass rusher for us. Phillips is a pass rusher. He's going to be a pass rusher for us. And and they gave up that flexibility, and it worked pretty well. I mean, they're mm. they're better defense as a result. They've got they've got good players, and they've got a really good secondary that's, that's right. played really Big well. Time. So that is a good spot for Flores to be in, given you know, where they were four or five weeks ago. And I think it was um, Simmons and Cousin Sal on their on their Monday pod or <laughs> Sunday night so, uh, pod where they would, uh, I think, slightly facetiously suggesting the Dolphins could uh, could make the playoffs. But when you look you, at their run, Yeah, you want my scenario right now? And you can yeah. put this in writing? Week 18 against New England? Yeah. 
Yeah, they win the game and go to the playoffs. Win it and in. New England loses home field advantage or whatever, whatever else they might. They <laughs> it might be textbook lose. Miami. They might New lose. England. It's textbook. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, textbook yeah, yeah. Miami New England. I love that idea. I mean, looking at their running, I had it. Sorry, let me just open it up again. I had it a minute ago, and then I, I dive back onto. Uh, I dive back onto social. So, okay, they've got. Look, listen to this gang. They've got the Giants, the Jets, Ka-ching. the Saints, Ka-ching. the Titans. Might might be stronger by then. They might have AJ and everybody back, but yeah, no, no. And then there's Mike's of the Patriots, which is just a perfect spoiler yeah, game. So those, I mean, those are three difficult ga- games going in, but you don't know where they'll be, you know, because the Saints are a good defensive team. Sure, even even when their offense is misfiring. Um, mm. And the Titans, as they showed against the Patriots, are tough, you know, and, and well coached and, and play. They were in that game for a long while where they really right. didn't have that much going on, that, yeah. that much reason to be in that game. Yeah. You know? The 36-13 is a kind of deceiving score. Mm. Um, they just New England. It was a great another great Belichick game plan. Right. Who's going to beat us? Nobody. Mm. <laughs> um, so let's make Tannehill beat us, you know, and, and he doesn't have the weapons. Um, they got the one great run, you know, and that um, the one big run from Hilliard and, and yeah. kind of, you know, changed the complexion of the game at halftime. It was 16, 13, I think, you know, but in the second half, New England just, just settled into that. We'll go down. We'll take a field goal if we have to, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to score more than 17 <laughs> against us basically. Right. And, and we can do that, you know, and, and, I don't know. Are we going to go into New England Buffalo I, here? You read my mind. Yeah. I might. Let's get into um, that. Yeah. New England still haven't beaten anybody really good, you know, in, in terms of, of team of quarterbacks, all around teams. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's like, it's a great run. Their defense is, is playing really, really well situationally. Um, they really stick to their game plan, uh, you know, almost, almost amazingly. Uh, he's got that, he's got exactly what he wants in terms of flexibility and power. You know, they, they're not weak on, on the defensive line or the offensive line. So they can play what he wants to play ideally in any game is power football. Mm. Um, and they got away from that for years and, and they could because they had Brady who was adjustable to various systems and stuff. But, but right now I still think they can be shut down. I still think back Jones is a rookie quarterback. Um, he doesn't really have a game breaking receiver. They depend on mm. McDaniels to scheme guys open and, and he does that pretty well. Um, I wish he would stop running the ball on first and second downs whenever they get in the red zone, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, Back to the receivers quickly. So yeah, it's sure. a, it's a fair, it's a fair point, but what have you seen from say someone like Jacoby Myers? Is he, uh, I love he, Jacoby Myers, yeah. but he's a number two, maybe a number three receiver. Basically, you know, uh, Bourne's a number two, maybe a number three. Yeah. Uh, Aguilar's a number two if he catches the ball, which he's done. He hasn't dro- had many drops um, mm. this year. Henry and, and Jonu Smith are both good, but not great tight ends. Good offensive threats, good, decent blockers. Both of them work hard, you know, I, and, and so it was a typical Patriots kind of free agency move, except they overpaid for everybody, which is what they mm. normally don't do. And they probably wouldn't have got those guys if they hadn't overpaid. You know, they, they would have gone individually 
um, elsewhere. None of them are game breakers. None of them's a Gronk, a Gronkowski or a Randy Moss or, you know, guys like that, that they, but they don't need that. They're content to do that. And they're content to pound the ball away at you so that mm. these guys become more effective because you have to credit the run and, and, you know, credit to them. They, they, they basically last um, against Tennessee split the carries 21, 2019 between Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, and Brandon Bolden. Yeah, yeah. And they're turning Brandon Bolden into the third down back, which right. nobody would have ever thought of because um, he's a basically a, a head down, straight ahead kind of runner. It's how mm. you thought of him, and it's spe- mostly a special teamer. But, get us four yards on the first carry. And my second choice for MVP is Cordero Patterson. Oh, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I, I can't believe he's not being discussed and, more. And, as, and everybody's as saying, oh, why didn't anyone else turn him into a running back? You know, well, he played Hello. running back. <laughs> yeah, and sure. admittedly, it was out of necessity. They didn't have any other running backs. But but Bill and McDaniels developed it. Yeah, and, and there were a couple of plays in that game that Atlanta game where Cordero, you could see, you know, exactly on as he does on kick returns, he sees a hole and gets through it, you know, but he's got great vision and he's big, he's strong so mm. that he can get through arm tackles when, when you're, you're doing that. Yeah. He, he's a, he's a really good running back. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm loving it. I am surprised that more people are, are talking that up just on, on Matt Jones, because if we're talking awards already being given, he's now the leader for a front runner for offensive rookie of the year. And, and look, rightly so he's had a, a solid season. You make a great point. Let's, just calm down a bit. He's a, he's a rookie and in that run, he's had some in different games as well, but, but clearly he's performing very capably in terms of what he's being asked to do. How impressive is it given what you've just said about the receiving core being solid, if unremarkable that he's, that he's doing it with that receiving core as opposed to having uh, a Stefan Diggs it, or even, you know, yeah. Devonte Parker type. Yeah, it, it fits. It fits what they want from him. Um, and that's the, I give them a lot of credit because they kept Cam Newton. They drafted Jones. Um, maybe they were lucky that he fell, but you know they weren't going to trade up. Uh, and they got what they they knew what they wanted, and they got it. Um, everyone forgets that, that the Niners originally traded up to get Mac Jones because Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, and then they fell in love with Trey Lance. Mm. Um, so it went, it went a different way. And then mm. nobody else, I guess, was going to take him, you know, in, in that once he got past 12, 11 or 12, I think it was, you know, you knew that the Patriots could take him. Um, and then I still thought they might take Bar- Christian Barrymore at that, at that spot. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, what they want from Jones and what they saw in Jones was a guy who was poised, read defense as well, would take what the defense gave them a guy that they could, trust to run the kind of schemed offense they want to run in short a Tom Brady, you know, or, and he's not Tom Brady. I'm not saying that now, but his strong points are exactly the ones that make Brady such a great quarterback. Right. Um, And, and he seems to work well. He seems to be a leader. You know, he seems to progress week by week. So there's understanding. And these, these two Buffalo games they've got coming up will be a great test because Buffalo is a very good defensive team. Sean McDermott is a really good defensive mind and they're going to make life tough for him. You know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they try to take away 
Um, yeah. What do you, you so know. that's a great point. But I mean, given the fact that it isn't clear cut because it's this cast of supporting but look characters. what they did to New Orleans, who you could argue was a similar kind of thing. Sure. Um, yeah. With with a with Simeon, not quite great thrower at quarterback, mm-hmm. say, without the pass receivers to worry about, you could say, um, and wanting to wanting with their good offensive line to establish the running game. And mm. Buffalo's Buffalo's defensive line dominated their off um, the Saints' offensive line last week. Yeah, that's going to be. I think that's going to be the real um, the real test in this game is is to see how much um, who wins that battle of offense. Right, because the week before the Colts Colts did the exactly. opposite. Right? Totally exactly, totally the Colts offensive line dominated Buffalo and, and they mm. won forty one fifteen. The other on the other side of the ball. It's the same story because the Buffalo, what teams are realizing, I think, is that Buffalo's offensive line is not that good. It's kind of a B offensive line, you know, and they depend on Josh Allen to make it better in the same kind of way that the Packers depend Aaron on Rogers, yeah, Rogers yeah, yeah, to make right. their line their line better, which even when it's fully healthy is probably a B plus kind of line um, across, across the board. Mm. But um the Patriots are tough up front. Now they don't have designated pass rushing. They never do. You know, they, they, they scheme their rushers, but Judon is a threat. You know, that you have to look kind of like Trey flowers was when he was there. Um, right. you, you kind of have to keep an eye on him. You don't necessarily have to double team him and they make it difficult for you to do that anyway, because he lines up all over the place um, while they scheme, while they scheme their pass rush. But <clears throat> so I think from new England's point of view, the question will be, can you keep Josh Allen in the pocket because you want to do that? And they've done that. They've tried to do that in every game. They've played the bills since Josh Allen came, you keep him in the pocket, make him beat you as a drop up, drop back passer. He's got good receiving threats and new England secondary have been very good at, um, at making plays, but they do allow a lot of passing yards as, mm-hmm. as they always do. Always and have they, done it. Yeah. You know, they've got a couple of um, Bryant, Miles Bryant and, and Jalen Mills are both Smurfs out there. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and you saw there was one play in the, in the game um, against uh, Tennessee where, where Mills. Bryant, Bryant was complaining bitterly because he basically just pushed around by a big receiver, you know, and it, and it was kind of like he was saying, Reverie, look, <laughs> I'm only half as big. <laughs> Five as Are you going to let him do that to me? You know? Right. But he did. And so I think that's one of the really fascinating games of the week. And, yeah. and um, you know, I, I wouldn't say I'm all in on New England, although the, you know, the, uh, the concept of a Patriots Bucks Super Bowl, would probably send the earth spinning off its <laughs> axis and, you know, and, and into, would into, be the, into the asteroid belt. It would be amazing. Um, where, <laughs> yeah, where, where um, John Gruden would probably get a head coaching job at Asteroid <laughs> State. You know. um, that's I'm where Gruden's going to head up. Come up in the, yeah, with all the stuff that's going on in college football. Mm. And I know you'll talk about it with, with Big Ben. Um uh, you know Lincoln Riley and, and mm. um, all, all the all the other moves because you know Billy Napier to Florida is a big one and Brian Kelly to LSU is huge. But the thing that nobody seems to mention in any of the articles you read, and everybody's looking to see how much money they're getting, you know, and is what about the kids, the scholar athletes? Sure. You know? I mean, Lincoln Riley's leaving Oklahoma before a bowl game. I I, I think. Um, Napier, what was Louisiana Lafayette? They're 10 and one or something. They're winning the Sun Belt. 
Mm. You know, um, I, I just don't, I don't understand how you can do that to the kid. Brian Kelly says to the team, I love you guys. Uh, I love you guys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm gone. Right. Um, you know, yeah. and I think fickle, I think fickle might be the one guy who holds out, you know, I, ironically, <laughs> especially if, if fickle, you know, especially if Cincinnati um, get into the, uh, you know, overcome the odds because the NCAA is a fixed profit profit machine you know and cincinnati doesn't quite fit into the profit machine do you think michigan um, get in template to the top four i mean if it were me cincinnati would be ahead of them but you know yeah the way that they these guys think maybe it's not, box office you know, in michigan it's yeah. box office and, and it's big names and and, and that kind of stuff mm. um you know, I, I I wonder if Fickle would go, will go to Notre Dame. I wonder mm. if they'll wait if if that's if that's the case because Fickle's a really good coach. Um, um, and I think the interesting thing at Oklahoma is they bought Bob Stoops out of retirement to coach. You know, for the bowl game, yeah, or, or whatever. And um, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised if Bob Stoops' little brother then got hired at Oklahoma off the back of it of that bath because he's had a good season at Kentucky. I mean, mm. you know, and, and the guys who say that, you know, this is Lincoln Riley, not wanting to go into the sec who can blame them. <laughs> you know, you're in a position at Oklahoma where apart from Texas, you, you, you get the best the big talk. Yeah. In, you're right. In the, in the corn belt, you know, in the, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, and your path to the big 12 championship is usually pretty straightforward. Um, now you're going into the SEC, and so is Texas, mm. uh, where you know your path goes through Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, LSU, Florida, <laughs> right, right. You know, and and all of those prospects are going there. So why yeah. not go to USC? Where, yeah, again, the Pac Pac-12 is you know is like the Big Twelve. It's it's a, and the, the NCAA looks at it as a step step lower in that sense. But you know, your your biggest competition is Oregon. Um, mm. you know, maybe Washington occasionally and, you know, maybe UCLA or Stanford occasionally. And, um, so and, yeah, the, and the weather's better as well. So and, the better. <laughs> and God, they're paying, USC is paying, I think they're paying, um, Helton 10 million for the next two years, not to coach. They're going <laughs> to be paying, um, right. they're going to be paying Oklahoma almost 5 million, um, mm for Riley, not, you know, not to, come not to yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, they're, they, it, the stuff they were promising him, like, you know, they're buying his two houses in Oklahoma for, for like a, a total of a million dollars over the, over the, over the listed value. Um, the card rate. Amazing. Yeah. What a, what a deal. We got to get out there, Mike. Come on. Let's, let's, we could be a good coaching tag team. Let's, let's get it. Let's try and get something other. And I'll do it for, you know, yeah. I'll do it for one house, <laughs> you know, and, and you look at college coaches to go back to Joe Paterno say, you know, mm. I think Paterno was on a professor's salary or, or maybe a department head salary for most of his Penn state career in a university subsidized house like faculty get, you know, and was quite happy to do it. It was a nice, you know, a nice living. Yeah. And now it's kind of like the more money they get, the more money the athletic directors can pay themselves. Yes. Um, Relatively. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the higher the pressure is, you know, Mm. and the pressure to move, it's no longer enough to have a winning season and, Mm. you know, and beat your arch rival every other year. Um, but respect to Michigan for sticking with Harbaugh. Yeah, exactly. Because of that, precisely because of that, like they had, you know, in different times, but it's paid off to stick with them. Yeah, and the other thing is, of course, you're a huckster. You're not a coach. You know, it, the, the job is half huckster and half coach. Mm. Um, look at Ed Orgeron. You know, 
Ed Orgeron is a great recruiter. He was at USC when, when what's his, when, um, uh, Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin was the coach, you know, he, he was, he's not, is he a great football coach? No. I mean, he's one of those guys who can inspire a team up and guys love to play for him, but tactically speaking, you know, is he a great football coach? No. And that, and that came out sort of, but look at how quickly you LSU went away from him. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, it he's doesn't a good take front long. Man. It's like, what have you done for us lately? You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, hey, amen to that. That seems to be the story of uh, story of our lives at the moment. Uh, right, we're almost out of time, so I want to sneak in a couple of couple of quickies on Mike from uh, from social. So here is a goodie. Where are we? Let's find it. Yeah, because we've mentioned Jaden Hurts a little bit, and you talked about how he was yeah. uh, shut down, stifled. I think it's fair to say at the weekend, but nevertheless, he's been pretty impressive, hasn't he? The last last couple of weeks. Sure, yours. Thanks for. Your tweet, Shawjaws, at the NC show. What do the Eagles do, asked Shawjaws? Do they go with Hertz, get a veteran? If so, who? Do they draft and how much to move up the draft board? So a lot of questions from Shawjaws. So yeah, firstly, that, let's start with... It's, it's a good question. And I think it boils down to, can Sirianni adjust his offense to a guy who's not an NFL passer mm-hmm. and doesn't look like he's ever going to be? Um, they wanted to, you know, and it made sense. They want to be a run first team and they had, I don't know, a couple hundred yards rushing against the giants, but it wasn't enough because they didn't get the big, the big plays from the run game. They, they, um, they really couldn't control the time and Hertz and Rager could not. And there was a great story about um, Devonta Smith coming up to Sirianni in the fourth quarter and saying, put the ball in my hands, you know, give me the ball. And Sirianni told this for some reason, and then didn't, and then he didn't spawn the ball. You know, it's like, this is what you want from a player, especially a player you drafted in the first round and was supposed to do that. And, and why wouldn't you do it? You know, why do you keep throwing to Jalen Rieger when you've, when you've got Devonta Smith? Now I know he was, you know, he was double covered or whatever, but scheme, do Mm. some scheming to get him open. Mm. Um, And, and a week ago, everybody was looking at Philadelphia's easy schedule, the run in, Yes, yeah, we these, definitely these were guys, on the show. These yeah. guys could be ten, ten and you know, ten and yeah, six, not so much going into the last <laughs> game of the season and, yeah. and playing Dallas, who um, in Week 18 won't need to win, presumably. Oh, um, maybe not. Maybe they will now. Yeah, the way that's, all, going. that's yeah. all over. You know, <laughs> yeah. that parade, the parade on Broad Street that was scheduled for next week is is um, right. is probably not going not going to take place. And um, I mean, the Giants fired John Jason Garrett while we're on the subject of, of yeah. the beat the beatdown. Um, and um, Freddie Kitchens was the offensive coordinator, which I thought might make a bit of a difference, but didn't seem to make much difference to, to what they were running um, offensively. And now it seems like the rumor is that Gettleman's going to retire at the end of the season, where everybody thought because they've got draft picks coming up, Gettleman would, had kept himself in the job, basically, mm. so to make the draft picks. And there, I saw somebody saying a quote, and I don't know where it came from, but I think it was one of those anonymous sources in the Giants that they were going to find someone who was in line with Joe Judge's thinking. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's like we're in line with Dan so, Campbell's thinking. So, Stone Cold Steve Austin, draft, presumably, is going to be the chief. Just going to be that that night from the Monty Python movie. Um, you know, it, it's like, huh? You know, what what are they what are they talking about? You know, Joe Judge's philosophy. Um, mm. you know, I like Joe Judge, but but as a special team scorer, we haven't worked out what I his like philosophy is, right? Tough, yeah, but you, you also need talent, toughness. You know, I, I said the beginning about toughness, 
you know, your team needs to be tough, but you also need to have talent. But as Joe, to be fair to Joe Judge, has he had enough talent on the field around him? That's a fair point, you know, and they, but, and that's Gettleman's fault, I think more than Joe Judge's. Um, I'd be unlucky with Saquon as well. Of course that, that, that's, that's bad luck, particularly given yeah, how. Look at who he passed on to draft a running back. And, and if, 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 if experience shows us anything is that you do not need a running back in the first five picks of the draft mm. um, because you, you can find dominant running backs further on. And, and I, you know, if you want a dominant running back, I would be drafting for the offensive line and their offensive line has been mm. both badly drafted and badly free agented in forever. Games, in <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. You know, and- uh, on the giants, MJ asks, will they roll one more season with Daniel Jones? That's, I will. I, I'm sure they will. The question is whether they will pick up the option for the year, the year beyond. Yeah. You know, um, which would commit them to more money. Now, Daniel Jones seems to me to be potentially a quarterback as good as, you know, somewhere in that continuum between, between say Jimmy G and Kirk Cousins, you know, in that, in that kind of 10 to 20 range. Um, among among the quarterbacks and that depends partly on you know getting an offensive coordinator who can make the best of him partly of upgrading the o-line and partly of giving him some weapons and they don't have any of that you know so that puts Mm -hmm. a lot of you know pressure on daniel jones I'm, i'm not sure he's as good as they thought he was when they drafted him, but I wasn't completely down on that draft pick because I thought he might have been a, a sort of hidden talent when well coached, and he was yeah. well coached by David Cunliffe, you know, in college. Um, I know so- I'm with you, Mike. I mean, I I didn't watch much of him in college, but it, it, given everything we've just said in the last five minutes about the Giants' setup, I still think there's there there's upside there, and you know, we've talked about this many a time, and and you've just referenced it with regards to college system and what have you done for me lately? But I think that is still a fundamental problem with, with young quarterbacks moving on from them too soon. Now I know Joe just had quite a few, quite yeah, a few it, years, but what's the, what's the alternative? It, it's it, really hard to project quarterbacks who play in lesser programs, right. Against bigger programs. Um, you know, it's hard enough to project, say, a Carson Wentz who's playing at the one double A level. But mm. when you're playing at a place like Duke or you're playing at, at Vanderbilt or, you know, and you're constantly overmanned, you're, you're facing teams that are overmanned. It's hard to evaluate mm. um, quarterbacks. And I thought that's why I say I thought Cunliffe did a really good job of of keeping him under control, of keeping, you know, keeping him playing a, a professional kind of game. Um, but once you hit the NFL and you're in the same situation, it's hard to develop. And that's mm. one of the things in the Mac Jones situation. And was New England the best team of the ones that drafted first round quarterbacks? I don't think so. At least not on paper, you know, not coming off the 2020, the 2020 season. Um, but have they handled Jones the best, you know? Yeah, undoubtedly. They've, yeah. they've tried to make it. It's kind of like Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season. Where great, know, great comparison. Only, yeah. I think like his high number of throws in a game was 25. 20 odd. Yeah. Right. You know, most games he was throwing under 20 because, yeah. you know, they, they just kept him on. They they didn't ask too much of him mm. and they went to the Super You know, they went, they didn't go to Super Bowl his first year, it was his second year, but they had, a, you know, they had a decent year. Yeah. Um, that first year. And so yeah. I feel, you know, I feel a bit for guys like Zach Wilson. Um, you know, because by definition, or Trevor Lawrence, by definition, you're going into a bad situation, which isn't going to make it easy for you to adapt. Mm. And Urban, I mean, 
Is he one and done, do you think, Urban? With the best will in the world. If I'm, I just can't help but think that Urban's looking at some of those college games. Yeah, Sorry, sure. That's, that's sure. Urban on the floor. Oh, right? with Oscar. Oscar. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I can't help but think it, but because there was, there was a question asked of him about James Robinson, which got yeah. a lot of publicity this week. Because obviously, no, and I said this when before the game in London, you know, why isn't James Robinson playing more? You know, because sure. they're obviously a better team with him in. He's the best player, you know, he's arguably the best player on their offense, certainly from last year. You know, mm. Jamar Chase will eventually probably be that. But, you know, and and so someone was saying, someone asked Urban in the press conference, why didn't he? And he said, oh, you'll have to ask the coordinator and the quarterback coach, you know, um, um, Schottenheimer and, and uh, Bevel. You know, you'll have mm. to ask them, huh? You know? It's like you're the head coach. You answer the you question. Know? That's what you, you don't, don't you sit bucks. down with them at some point and say, look, James Robinson's got to be playing more, mm. you know, and if Bevel says, no, he doesn't, you say, huh? <laughs> you know, where have you been? You know, where, when you were in Seattle, you know, what did, what, who was your game based on? And I'm yeah. not saying, I'm not saying James Robinson is, is Marshawn Lynch, but James Robinson is a really good runner. Yeah. Undrafted too. This is what I mean about yeah, yeah, Saquon yeah, sure, Barkley. Sure. You know, he's not Saquon Barkley at Barkley's best, but he's God, he works hard, you know, and, and he runs hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, particularly given the injuries there, you uh, it, it makes it makes no sense. It is I I think it from pretty much from the start that has looked uh, a a poison situation which is a shame because there was so much hype about uh Amira, of course coming in and Lawrence and it's all been a bit of a damp squib. But uh, Mike, we're out of time. So before we get so out of Dodge, so's Urban Meyer. So's Urban Meyer, <laughs> appropriately <laughs> enough. Is he writing a Patreon column? The answer is no, he's not. No, I am Mike, but no, you are. No. I am Mike. Patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson, F-M-T-E. Uh, what are you writing about this week? Um, probably a bit about that college situation because I like a nice rant every now and again. <laughs> um, last week I wrote about my my suggestion for penalties, which was to, you know, they, they do eject people for two flagrant, fouls i think they ought to now go to an ejection for three personal fouls um including pass interference and holding interesting idea uh, defense offensive holding um and uh that you know people complained they complained about the dallas game there were too many flags well you noticed on sunday there weren't any games with an outstanding number of flags Mm -hmm. but that raises then everyone complains that they're not calling the obvious ones and the situation's impossible uh, for the NFL because it's everything's a judgment call. The mm-hmm. referees can't help but be influenced in their judgment by the flow of the game. And, you know, oh, we've th- thrown enough flags um, already. We can't flag one guy four times for pass interference. My theory would be take him out of the game and then you won't have to flag him four times when he's yeah. got two interference calls he will stop interfering he's in foul trouble next one and next one you're out interesting um you know i'm not saying you you create a penalty box for the nfl that wouldn't work but this this conceivably could work yeah or even if he's not out you take him out for the rest of the half say you know or whatever but you know but something so the player has to just say i gotta stop doing this yes yeah yeah. or 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 put sean hockley in in charge (laughs) <laughs> and call every foul mm. so that the game becomes unwatchable. Mm. And then the NFL will say, okay, we've got to change the rule and, and the interpretation and make it so 
they're not falling on every play. Mm. Well, that'll be hitting them where it hurts, yeah. right? When you yeah. know we're watching stuff that is un or trying to yeah. wave through stuff that's unwatchable. Go back to the rule: if the ball's in the air, you can't touch the guy. Mm. No more hand fighting. I like to see him hand fighting. I like you know. I like the refs letting him play. You know, mm. <laughs> it's that's <laughs> if you allow it, you you can't call it. Mm. You know that the NFL's in this bind. the The guidelines say you can only call it if it's really bad. That leaves each official to decide what's really bad. What's what constitutes really bad? Yeah, yeah. Well, get I love that idea and uh, get into Mike's column. As I say, Patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE. Follow Big Man on Twitter at Carlson Sports. Uh, not on TikTok yet, but we are working on that. <laughs> Let's clip that up and put it out on, on social. <laughs> I'd like TikTok in. Look after yourself, bud. Vince stuff at seven. You can yeah. put it on your TikTok account. I don't have one either. I don't have one. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Look and after yourself. One, Ollie's, Ollie's TikTok mm. with that one where he's talking and dancing around. <laughs> <laughs> Tic Tac, that's the kind of cheap ripoff site that Ollie's on. <laughs> yeah, me, me and Bill Burch. <laughs> snap, yeah. snap face. I've got a theory about that. I think Belichick. I bet Belichick is a social media master, a guru, and it's all a ruse. He knows exactly what's going on about everything. That man. Uh, I'm Mike. Brilliant stuff. Look after yourself. See you next week. You too. See you guys. Always a pleasure chatting with Iron Mike, who is back next week for more. Patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMT. Go and subscribe to that. It is a deep dive read. Every week, if you like our Mike Stylings, and frankly, if you don't, what the hell are you doing listening to this show? You will love it. It is a good Christmas present, a good stocking filler, uh, that subscription. So go and get involved with that. Uh, buy it for a loved one, if not for yourself. Uh, we are back later on this week, college days. We've also got a special guest for our uh, preview show. Almost said review show, our preview show coming later on this week. He is a fan favorite. You will love him. Uh, as indeed is Ben Isaacs for College Days, and not least, but last, in terms of plugs, Edge Rush with Propo. That'll drop later on in the week as well. I had a good week, i got to say. I <laughs> thank God for that. The Acker came in, although Ollie's claiming credit for the Acker. Edge Rush listeners, you will know you will know where I'm going with this. He's claiming that that was a joint, like we're splitting, like a sack that gets split. He is claiming half the sack there. But my uh, Drew Lock of the Week came in, and suddenly it is game on again between me and Propo. Who'd have thunk that a couple of weeks ago? Maybe I'm the Dolphins <laughs> of that equation. I'm going to sneak in the playoffs through the back door. Anyway, that's all to come later on this week. So go and check it out. Uh, if you haven't already on whichever pod platform you listen to us on, subscribe to us and they'll all just drop happily and easily into your device of choice. We will see you later in the week. Bye for now. Podcast Network.